The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, man, you just keep nailing these pores, Sam. Thank you very much. I've been practicing. Have you? (laughs) Really? A couple times a day. For how many years now? (laughs) Uh, At least 202 episodes. Oh, there you go. Hey, everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm going to turn it over to Bart from here. (laughs) What what I want to know is, you know, during COVID and when we were on Zoom, um, the podfather was, you know, miking in the pour. And I want to know if anyone notices the difference between our poor and his poor. <laughs> Hopefully the better. real poor doesn't sound quite as much like um, a urinal. Because <laughs> that was bad. That poor, I love you, Ed, but that was not like, didn't quite have the same, same. I think that was a stock intended. sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Uh, Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having you. So glad to be here. We <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This classic. You know, we were going to bring up the sound of a urinal anyway, so I'm glad you did. Perfect. Just in case. Inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Topic number one. Topic Topic number one. one. We have uh, the bird horse is in the house. It's not the bird house, John. The bird horse horse. in the house. Bird horse. horse. With with Katie Rouse and Corinne Rich. Uh, Excited. I know we've talked... I think Bart's. Re- We've talked. This is like a long time coming. We've been talking about this and having you on the show for a while. Um, and now that everybody works on A Street and makes everything a little bit easier, I think, <laughs> right? That, exactly. Keep, keep it close. Back yes. to the light side of Sonoma. I'm so glad That's that great. this could happen. Yeah, I mean, this is ultimately part of the Bedrock Think Tank. Um, <laughs> bedrock University. Bedrock University. And and it's and it's really interesting because the last of the last five or six epi- episodes. This will now be the third that has Bedrock University all over it, and we had the chancellor, right? And 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 it's that thing, Sam. Like all these people, if you look at their resumes and where they went to school, they're all way smarter than me, at least. So overqualified for being on the show. I like to think of us as the transfer students of Bedrock University. Like we already had a couple years of school under our belt, and then we like walked in because we we're like, this is where this is, this is where, where we should at. be. You get good enough grades somewhere else. It doesn't matter what happened in high school. You you finally finally get to your dream school. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Grades don't matter anymore. It's all happening for us. Isn't that interesting? Grades don't matter anymore. Isn't that a beautiful thing to be able to say? It's just results. Don't you just want to go find your 19-year-old self and just be like, listen... None of it's good. If happen. only I knew. Yeah, it's oh, I know. But 19 year olds won't listen to that. <laughs> I know 14 year olds. I, I, I know 14 year olds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bart knows that well. <laughs> From what I can tell. It actually vindicates my 19 year old self. <laughs> like, see, grades didn't matter. I knew it. I knew it all along. <laughs> so I kept telling them, and they wouldn't listen. And now you're more well rounded, you've got life experience under your belt. 
And the Volkswagen bus. And the VW say. bus bar. Perfect. The that sound is a beautiful effects are, bus. Yeah. And the, and the effects are with, great. With because bus. nothing sounds like that. Except for Volkswagen. Uh, it, it occurred to me, and this is... <laughs> and plus the soundtrack of the VW <laughs> bus with, with <laughs> bus driver all, yeah. extraordinaire Steve Jordan over there. Uh, <laughs> there is something about the sound of a Volkswagen engine starting mm-hmm. that is like has this deeply... Uh, nostalgic thing. I, I don't know if we talked about this. Did I talk about this already on the show? It was my my in laws were here, and they were like, you know, I was loading their car with wine as they're about to leave for Los Angeles, and and one of the drivers came through and started the bus, and I could just like I watched it in their eyes. Their eyes they got this like little glaze across their eyes that was like the sound of a VW bus engine starting, like deeply resonated. Oh yeah. yeah. I used to drive a 1970 Volkswagen bus in high school that my dad and I fixed up, and that was my ride to school. There's definitely something very nostalgic in it. I mean, well, my so that's the only car my mom's ever owned is a really? Volkswagen. Wow! And um, in, and now it's the she has currently has the last Beetle, the vintage of the last Beetle. But I remember as a kid, our insurance agent driving up in his new Mercedes to meet with my dad about something and saying, you know, you ought to buy, you ought to buy Haroldine a, a, a Mercedes, Larry. You, you know, you really ought to buy her one. And he said, all she wants is a Volkswagen. Because I can buy her a new Volkswagen every year if she wants one for what a Mercedes will cost. So we've always only ever had Volkswagens in our family. Oh, my God. And have you ever noted that the Volkswagen Beetle has a really strong smell of Crayola crayons in it? Not until just now. Real <laughs> crayons. Interesting. It's the, it's the only thing I smell when I climb. I don't often ride in a Volkswagen bug. Um, but when you sadly, do. But when like I one do. That smells like crayons. Or like new bug, old super beetle, old, old yeah, like original. Question. What's the? I would say, I would I say think, When newer. I think of like the smell of an inside, it's just gasoline and exhaust. <laughs> oh, exactly. Because <laughs> the floorboard is open. 100%, you can see 100%. all the way down. And yeah. You're like, well, it's wintertime. My toes are freezing. No, <laughs> no I'm heater. Maybe gonna get frostbite. I hope not. Yeah. Just drive faster. Oh yeah, my brother would drive to school with me and take a shower right before we left for school. His hair is all wet, and his hair, at times, would freeze on the way to school. <laughs> Much to his chagrin, he'd complain. I was like, well, sorry. Like you knew what you're do- getting into. And do you want to ride to school or you want to ride the bus? Didn't that bus die because the, the engine literally caught fire one day? <laughs> it did. One cold morning. <laughs> Um, it did combust while I was parked at a gas station, and luckily there were some uh, truck drivers that I yelled at from the inside who came out and extinguished it with all their fire extinguishers and nothing other than the bus caught fire. That's a good thing in a gas station. (laughs) Maybe we should use this as a transition to um, Katie talking about the childhood she barely survived. And and how you got into wine and what you do now, and then we'll go to Corinne. But uh, how did how did you make it? <laughs> By the skin of my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we were talking about, yeah, I grew up in Virginia um, on a farm, winery, and vineyard out in the mountains. Well, in between the mountains of the Blue Ridge and Appalachian Mountains, Western Virginia. My family has a winery and vineyard there, and yeah, grew up. Uh, plug the plug it real quick. Rockbridge Vineyards okay. now Rockbridge Vineyard and brewery. brewery just opened a brewery last year. Delicious <laughs> beer. Just got to try it. Um, yeah, and I grew up just kind of as a menial laborer 
along with my siblings, working with my dad out in the vineyards, you know, on our time off from school in the summers, leaf pulling, and then when we were back from soccer practice in the fall, washing FYBs, and uh, hanging out in the rain. <laughs> so, so how, so how did? How did that come to happen? I mean, was your dad a farmer and then he farmed other things and just really fell for the great part of it? Or uh, or was how, talk about that part. Yeah, my dad doesn't come from any agricultural background in any capacity. Bingo, um, your, your place. Yeah, Rockbridge. great photo. So it's a converted dairy farm where the winery and vineyard is now out in Rockbridge County, Rafine. Um, he got a passion for wine wines just by drinking wine um he was on a fulbright scholarship in germany in his undergraduate studies and just started drinking wine also too smart for the podcast (laughs) yeah and just loved it and he was able to work at a winery for harvest for about two weeks was like man picking grapes is cool making wine is cool started reading books and nerding out on the science he's a huge nerd and then started looking into how he could get into winemaking. Came back, moved to California from Virginia. Um, he moonlighted as a construction worker, and so worked as a contractor, construction worker in Oakland, a couple job sites, and then um, found some place that would hire him. Um, worked a harvest or two, and then went to UC Davis to study fermentation science, which was what they offered for their master's program to kind of do a dive um, deeper dive into winemaking and then kind of has followed that path since worked in California for a few years to kind of get a little bit more knowledge but his goal was always to go back to Virginia to get into the wine industry there so they were the 30th winery in Virginia I believe in 1991 when they started okay so, so that's what I was wondering is like what was the era of that 91 because I know we used to look at you know you'd see ads for winemakers and um, when I was young in the business and, you know, there would be these jobs in Virginia and these all over, you know, not all over like it is now, but a lot of times they were, they were fruit farmers that, mm-hmm. you know, made mainly fruit wines and then had started with hybrids and whatnot. And um, it's just amazing how that business has changed so much in I mean, across the United States, but especially in Virginia. You say they were the 30th. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's got to be well over 100 now, right? Well over three or 400 now. Yeah, in the past five years, it's been really incredible to see the jump of, um, I guess, kind of honing in on the craft and the industry, but just the amount of wineries that are opening up and popping up all around. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to see. We're kind of at, I think, they're at the tipping point of there's not enough land to cultivate into vineyards. Um, so there's a max out of how much production Virginia can make at this point. Um, people will argue with me. There is still forests, but, you know, at least arable land that's cleared. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, exciting Go ahead to and see. clear those forests like they did in, what, yeah, 1690 or something, whatever. That's we gonna, don't need the trees. It's going to work out super Let's well. No, we don't need oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the French, they deforested their country at one point. <laughs> they have no issues with climate change now. No issues whatsoever. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a little microcosm. No climate change at all. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting kind of getting back to your question. Um, having grown up around that and that energy and working with my dad and seeing all that he did, it was never anything I was interested in whatsoever. Um, I was interested in agriculture and soil science and being outdoors, really into hiking and climbing and 
went to school in Washington State and got really interested in farming um, produce and then kind of took I saw a little bit more of the connection of like oh family farm that's pretty cool it's a lot of effort that goes into that and also a lot of care and attention to detail um, growing grapes to make wine took a class from a professor in undergrad that was that kind of synergistic um, connection of terroir he did a lot of vineyard consulting out in Washington and that set me down the path to where I am now so when is that Four, 10 years later yeah <laughs> um, yeah faster than some right. <laughs> much <laughs> and then Corinne was sort of just the quick synopsis of your background and, and what sort of like death-defying things happened in your childhood or not. <laughs> you have just a mellow, uh, car-fire-free upbringing. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, to my recollection, car-fire-free. Um, you need to check in with my parents to verify. I, <laughs> you know what? They may not want to talk about that. This is true. This is true. They might uh, you know, the, bury that in the past, you know. Uh, I'm from Sonoma County originally, so I born and raised in Santa Rosa. Um, my family has nothing to do with winemaking other than being enthusiastic consumers. My parents are both accountants. Uh, well, one is an accountant and one is a part-time accountant, part-time opera singer. Um, but Side note, always hire an accountant with the last name Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about that one. It does, uh, oh, 100%. It does seem like a good open, doesn't it? Uh, and I... I went off to college on the East Coast and studied analytical chemistry uh, at the University of Pennsylvania, and then did <laughs> was uh, was slated to go into a job in pharmaceuticals, and realized very quickly that I did not want to do that, <laughs> and so um, basically packed up the car <laughs> and drove back to California uh, with my best friend Tyler and a few other pals on a road trip, and so I was back in California living at my mom's, uh, and I didn't want to be jobless and living at my mom's. So I started looking around for work, and I had a friend who had attended UC Davis who said, hey, I have heard that wineries need help in their laboratories during the harvest season. Does that interest you? And I thought, well, I don't know anything about wine, but I am extremely competent in a laboratory, so I'll give this a go. And that was sort of the beginning. I did, the, I did exactly one harvest in the lab and then transitioned to the cellar really quickly. And then Where was that at? Uh, three Six Wines, shout out A Street East, Sonoma, Ace California. <laughs> I must have, it was funny too, I must have applied. The heart of Northern California wine country. <laughs> 100%. A Street East is, is the beating heart. Prime Meridian. <laughs> I must have applied to like 25 wineries too. I think they're the only people who said yes. Cause they all, and they all had the same address on A Street East. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I was like, surely one of these places. Um, yeah, and that was kind of it. Then I started working the harvest circuit and eventually ended up at UC Davis where I met Katie Rouse and... Now here we are. <laughs> and for those of you listening at home, it's birdhorsewines.com and at birdhousewines on the Horse. socials. Birdhorse. See? Okay. John? Horse. It's an easy slip Horse. of the tongue. We're eventually going to do a collab with Tony Hawk and Bird, Ho Bird House Skateboards. Oh. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And uh, it's going to clear up everyone's Well, Tony's confusion. probably listening, so. <laughs> Definitely. Tony Hawk, if you're Definitely. listening, Tony Hawk, if you're us. listening, hit us oh, I up. He, I thought he was already signed on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. We're looking for our first big celeb endorsement, so, you know. There you got it right there. There we go. That'd be a good one. Yeah, that'd be a good one. It would. All of our 90s skater selves would be oh, really jealous of that. Right? Exactly. Uh, well, let's, well, let's while we, yeah, let's talk about the wine, the, the winery brand concept but let's talk about it through the lens of uh, the, 
the first wine here. Yeah. Awesome. So just kind of broadly, Broodhorse Wine is, is all about celebrating the unsung heroes of California wine. We're here to sort of advocate for the lesser-known varieties and regions and people who have had a presence in California for a long time but maybe you haven't really had their turn in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, the idea for Birdhorse was started when we were working a harvest in South Africa um, back in 2018. We both had, had always toyed with the idea of like having our own brand. Um, I got the chance to work for for the Mullinews down in Franschhoek in South Africa and super inspired by all the varieties and the momentum that they're part of in South Africa, kind of regenerating these old vineyard sites, but also celebrating these varieties that haven't historically been at the top of the list there. And we saw that energy in California and we're super jazzed to come back and see what we could do with that. Um, Verdello was one of our first grapes that we contracted or at least made a handshake agreement for. As you know, they're <laughs> not always written contracts, um, but that's what we have in the glass right now. Um, this is our 2020 Verdello. comes from um, the Borden Ranch AVA in Lodi. And yeah, we love the potential of Portuguese varieties for maintaining their acidity through these hot climate regions. Lodi is historically or is typically thought of as a really hot area, but with the Portuguese varieties, which have historically been planted there for a long, long time, founded by Portuguese um, or settled by Portuguese in the 1800s. And yeah, I thought this was the perfect grape to start our journey with. Mm -hmm. You talk about the winemaking on this just a little bit, and that's not like something we'd necessarily get into deep on this show because usually, again, the winemakers' guests are smarter than the the hosts. But um, because... just talk about it. I have a thought about what happened and, and what you're going for with it, but I want to see if I'm completely off base or um, I have like a little bit of thread. So, yeah, we, you know, when we first started working with Rodello, we really felt like it's one of those grapes that on its own, if you just fermented it in stainless steel, it would make like a totally fine white wine but we sort of saw it as being a little bit more of a winemaker's grape, kind of kind of like a Chardonnay, although obviously it's like very different from Chardonnay. Um, so we sort of treated it that way. So we, one of the things we do is we hyperoxidize the wine pre-fermentation, so we'll actually pump the juice over for two or three days, uh, which for us helps kind of blow off some of the more simple primary aromatics and also just helps build in a little more weight and texture by just like suspending a ton of those solids. So then when we put it down to barrel to do barrel fermentations, it ends up being a pretty, you know, pretty dirty fermentation, like high solid content. Um, yeah. And, and so for those of you listening, um, solid contents in white wines, there was a time where it was an issue because, mm-hmm. you know, before whole cluster pressing, you would have a lot of solids in the juice. And if the uh, juice fermented with too much, too high solids, the fermentation would start to stink. Um, and then with whole cluster pressing, all of a sudden the juice would come out quite frankly, and it would look like this wine. It was so clean. But then there was an idea that it was too clean and it was hard to, for the grapes to ferment because right. the yeast needs somewhere to live and to exist. Yeah, they need yeah. a little bit um, of nutrient right. action in there. So when you're saying you're pumping it over, you mean you're cycling the tank mm-hmm. and, and, and just keeping some of that leaves in suspension. So we'll put an elbow on, <clears throat> excuse me, an elbow on the racking valve of a tank. Usually we're using a small porta tank and we'll actually kind of let all the juice flow out into a bucket. So it's frothing. It's super oxygenating, hyper-oxygenating the juice. And then from that bucket, we're pumping it back over the top. And we've also just helped 
or we found that since we do all of our fermentations with native yeast, we just find that like massive amount of oxygen incorporation, especially in a white wine that would other be like low solid, lower nutrition content than a red wine, really helps ensure that we go through fermentation as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, well, it's totally fascinating because I, I would have never thought of Verdejo as something that has this almost Chardonnay kind of like richness to it and, mm -hmm. and maybe a little malactic fermentation or no, I just, it's like, it totally is blowing my mind, especially, you know, we're basically, uh, the temperature of the inside <laughs> of Corinne's car, uh, which is, is fascinating as far as like exploring a wine. I, I Totally, like, didn't expect this at all. Yeah. Like, it's a totally, totally cool. And one thing that... I'll Way more serious than any of... The, not well, to say that, like, you know, brightly colored labels and <laughs> weird off-brand varieties aren't supposed to be serious, but, you know, I, I was it's totally blown away. <laughs> well, that's you. awesome. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. And one thing I'll say, um, there it's, I think, a common thought that Verdejo and Verdello are the same grape variety... But Did they are genetically no, no, no. Um, distinct. Yeah. Um, one is from Portugal, which is Verdello, and Verdejo is originally from Spain. Um, so people think of Vino Verde, and they're like, oh, Verdello, cool, it's going to be what it is. Um, but this is the grape that's typically used in Madeira. Um, so similar region, Iberian Peninsula, but people sometimes get confused. So just for that okay. clarity on very good so listeners. Which, which one is this? This is Verdello. Verdello. And yeah. I said the other one. Yeah, it's all good. Which we won't n mention anymore. So we, <laughs> we shall never mention it. It's the grape that shall not be named. Birdhouse has a great Verdejo, <laughs> but Bird Horse has Verdella. Exactly, That's it. It's exactly yeah. right. Figured out. <laughs> I mean, and then the other thing that goes into this is is some people would think that, or or it's very simple to make a simple wine from Lodi from these warmer areas clarksburg right totally because yeah. um, they will make a very very nice very simple wine that is delicious but to try to make something that has some interest and can be thought-provoking and have a discussion you have to use some winemaking right i mean it is this is the one time where um wine isn't necessarily always made in the vineyard you know sometimes um it needs a little bit of help and, and this is fascinating to hear how you're doing it because um, you know, I made some Shannon from Clarksburg for a number of years, and it was a really nice wine, but it was always just very kind of straightforward. And But the winemaking was the same thing. It was ferment it, get it dry, get it, you know, in bottle, and leave it alone. Um, totally. And, and, and I think you have, to, um, you have to use some innovation to make a, a compelling wine sometimes. Yeah, yeah and this one is so – yeah, this is just such a fun wine to make with those stylistic choices of yeah. winemaking. And I think what you're describing right now is also something that we're really proud and like mindful of, which is that you know with these offbeaten varieties, a lot, a lot of the, there are a lot of there are other people who make Carignans, right? Who make Frutellos, but oftentimes that's the other thing that they make, right? It's the extra thing, it's the interesting thing, it's that other thing, and I and there aren't so many people who really try to put it front and center, and so that was kind of what we've tried to do is take these varieties and say like, you know what, we're gonna like take this seriously we're gonna how can we express this how can we make this wine its best and not just have it be that extra thing so as we get ready to pour the next wine uh hint hint um <laughs> we need that prompting the, thank the, you <laughs> the, cool, the question is um did you seek out these varieties or these in these vineyards or is it the other way around like you knew that you had the idea of doing some of these varieties that don't quite get the same amount of love but didn't know exactly what you were going to do 
like you went no we won Verdello and and went out and find it or did you, like the vineyard came available and you're like oh that meets the criteria so there's the the 2018 version of that answer and the 2021 <laughs> version of that answer it's evolving the 2018 you can, ver- you can do both or you can choose uh, you know the 2018 version a- uh, answer uh, to that is uh what is available and who will respond to my emails <laughs> <laughs> right as an unknown brand new brand with not a lot of uh yeah power behind our name yeah like a very general idea we had a we more we had a list of things we didn't want to work with we knew sort of those top 15 20 varieties on the on the shelves we wanted to try to avoid and sort of what that's evolved into now is getting to be a lot more selective now that we've got you know not not a lot but like a little bit more buying power we can kind of look around and either get connected through somebody or find a variety that we're interested in and then see, you know, okay, where is the vineyard located? Do we think this makes sense for this? Do we think this is the right spot for this? Are we excited about the farming of this? Et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, and I'll say the first wine, I don't think I mentioned, it comes from Bokish Vineyards um, in Lodi, the Luna, Vista Luna Vineyard. FOBs, what do we call it? FOBs. Friend of the pod. Friend Friend of the pod. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus is awesome. Um, Sadly, he sold this vineyard this past year. um, So we're not getting this fruit source anymore. We're going back to our original that we had in 2018 um, from Knightson and Contra Costa. Mm -hmm. Um, Just poured our 2020 Arnais, um, which is a Piemonte's grape variety from Italy. Um, This is. Yeah, it's really thank you. Nice. We really, really, cool. really loved continuing to work with this. We didn't work with it in 2018, brought it on 2019. Um, so this comes from the Spirit Canyon Vineyard in Talmadge, just south of Ukiah, off Old River Road. Um, Glenn McGordy, shout out to the grower. It used to be this um, UC Davis Cooperative Extension Specialist um, up in Mendocino County, just retired, now is running in city government. But he planted this in 94 which for um, our niece is pretty wild. He has two different clones, and we get half and half of the vineyard of each clone. One is a little more acid. One is a little richer. And and say the name of the vineyard again. Um, it's called Spirit Canyon Spirit Vineyards. Spirit Canyon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so where is it in proximity to the uh, Buddhist colony? It's just it's about like three... Ten, ten minutes down the road? Yeah, ten minutes south? down the road south, south. Yeah. down Old River Road. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful road down Oh, my there. gosh, it exactly. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, Still haven't had lunch there, but during COVID, obviously, yeah. they stopped doing lunch. At the, at the monastery. At the Buddhist colony. Temple. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's, uh, they're completely remodeling. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, the whole thing. It's all closed up, and uh, the gate is done. It's just beautiful. Cool. Um, so... Um, but yeah, that's awesome. that gas station that's right there. <laughs> you mean um, yeah. the one with the soft serve ice cream? Yes. And, yes. and, and I have to say the falafel sandwiches are pretty good there. Ooh, you might check it out. All right. That. Bart, thank you for that. Always writing that down. Really guy. like the important information exchange between winemakers. <laughs> it's not mean, about like how do you ferment <laughs> the falafel, man. You got to know about that. Or, you know, what barrels, what yeast. No. Where's this food I can get Where are the while snacks? I'm out there checking I mean, this Do you not run on snacks during harvest? No, that's <laughs> all we yeah, run. That's 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 and I can't snacks. drink beer anymore, so it's just the snacks. <laughs> there you just go, snacks. exactly. 100%. It's like, you know, where do you stop for your coffee in Hopland? Yeah. You know. No, very true. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Katie alluded to this, but I, the fact that this vineyard was planted in the early 90s just blows me away sometimes because our nace was almost driven to extinction, like maybe... 20 years prior and some of the only plantings of it that were left were on the Vietti property in northern Italy and so somehow between that time and the early 90s cuttings made it to FPS 
in California. Foundation Plan and Services. Then Glenn, a, a younger Glenn McGordy thought, yes, this will do well in Mendocino County. I shall plant this in my backyard. Yeah. Somebody suitcase those cuttings, or <laughs> do, is there any like knowledge of that lineage? Um, I know that. I mean, it was through UC Davis research so that they was, were. It was legit. I think it was legit. He was doing some <laughs> Italian grape variety research on some topic that I actually don't know. We haven't gotten that quite that story specificity, but it was. Above the radar. This is not Bob Caldwell's suitcase. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and it's planted to two John, different. John Caldwell. It's planted to two different clones of Arnace too, which I first of all, there are multiple clones of Arnace. Love that, and they're both in the U.S. Uh, and and it works out great because they ripen at just slightly different times. And so when we go to pick the vineyard, it's great because we have the sort of the one clone that's a little bit further behind, so it has just a little bit more acid retention, uh, and then the one that's a little bit riper just has some of those more plush flavors. And then put them together when we. We put them all in the press together and we press off um, and sort of gives it the best of both worlds. Well, you can, it's interesting that you have two different clones and they're two different characteristics that are combined. It's very nice. Very nice. And well, that's how um, Glenn recommends picking the vineyard, which is cool. He's like, this is what you should do. I mean, I think <laughs> the thing about Mendocino is is that I don't think people realize how many acres of vines there are in Mendocino, especially when you go down that, that road, you know, River River Road. and. And with the Fetzers and their history there, you know, they encouraged people to plant a bunch of stuff because they were, they were experimenting with stuff all the time, you know. And then exactly. you add that, their influence to the organic farming, which is, you know, much more common there than anywhere else in California. If you look at it right. by county by county, um, it's a pretty compelling spot. And then the amount of old vines that are, are still there and existing. Oh, my gosh, so. I know. I, I just love, I delight in finding new pockets every day. Yeah. Just hearing all the stories and seeing all the sights. <clears throat> so this wine ends up getting fermented, um, and we basically press it off and then rack it, but it's a pretty dirty rack, the, like, Dave Ramey, if it flows, it goes uh, yep. philosophy. Yep. And then we ferment it all in one 500-liter puncheon, uh, and <laughs> This fermentation really likes to test us year on year because it will ferment into like December or January. And I know January. there are people who are going to hear me say that and be like, it's because you guys are using native. If you inoculated, you wouldn't have that problem. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're probably right. But here we are. So, and it always goes dry. It always gets there. But it, it is really cool in the rear view mirror because what we get to do is we get to basically taste it really regularly as it's, you know, going down like a tenth of a gram sugar a day and then we really hit that inflection point where it's like okay it's not quite dry enough it's not quite dry enough it's not quite dry enough there it is like the acid pops again we're done but see i think that's really a credit to you guys for the patience part of it because you do have to have patience um in this mm -hmm. business uh, mm -hmm. on the winemaking side and it's really easy to do a restart um which corrupts the wine it's really easy to you know blend it out corrupts the wine but it takes it takes patience to really give the wine a chance, and if you keep the barrels topped and don't do any bad stuff to them, they usually turn out pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> don't Shout fuck out it to up. Brian's 2019 three two year fermentation Rusan, which is delicious and people love it. <laughs> there we go. It's totally there unexpected. Go. That's patience. That's yeah, that's real. It might be. Yeah. only slightly exaggerated, yeah. but I mean, but not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had, 
and not just my own wines, but working for people, we've had wines that just, you just have to, you know, top the barrels again, top the barrels again, yeah. you know, clean really well before you go in and clean really well when you go out and, um, and just have patience. And, and that's credit to the people that I worked for, you know, and at one place there was one brother had incredible patience and the other one had no fucking patience (laughs) (laughs) to whom you refer to (laughs) (laughs) could be anybody really doesn't rhyme with Energizer. <laughs> <laughs> Energi- I can't. I'm, I'm going to get shot. I better not say anymore. Oh, yeah. Nope. Go ahead. Shot oh, yeah. Tequila is what it is. There you go. Exactly. Shot of tequila. No, this wine definitely always tests us every year, but I think it's been, um, I mean, this is one of the benefits of making wine together. Corinne and I both are winemakers and have worked in this industry for, I don't know, 18 years now together. Collectively. Collectively, 20, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we have are able to bounce ideas and stresses and panics off each other and yeah. calm each other down, hopefully. Because what happens <laughs> at the end of the year every year, and eternal credit to Katie right now, she's not giving herself enough credit, is, you know, I'm, I'm a person who really likes to take action. I want to solve problems. And so it's late November, and I'm like, Rouse, we got to do something. It's, like, it's not going to go dry. It's not, and then, you know when people, like, stroke the snoot of a horse and go, shh, shh, that's kind of what ends a up happening in our snoot. interaction. <laughs> She's like, Corinne, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine." So be all should okay. we should we use that transition to um, get the explanation on the name? And ah, <laughs> the snoot of the bird. The snoot of the bird, uh, the snoot snoot of the bird the and the snoot, snoot of the horse here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I guess you got it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's pretty pretty much. Oh, you know the the bench and table here is sort of. Um, there's like a little perception deceiving in that, um, you know, the two of them almost look the same height when they're <laughs> when they're sitting down. And everybody's, you know, it's the benches. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have a long torso and short legs, yeah. for the record. And I just have a long everything. So then when we're sitting side by side, you'd never know. You'd never know you'd never who's know. the bird and just, who's the horse. Just our <laughs> shin bone length. It's different. It's just the shin bones. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the name kind of came out of just a playful conversation of if we ever had a label, what would we name it? Um, for all of you NPR nerds out there, there's a show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz, um, which I am an ardent lover of, as is Corinne. Mm-hmm. And they have a personality quiz on there from one of the producers that I heard <clears throat> many years ago. And the producer proposes this to anyone listening and um, self-described how you actualize um, both externally and internally. We've come to think of it as more just kind of your self-identity. Um, you can be two of the three. Bird, horse, muffin. So think about that for a minute. <laughs> I know what I'm choosing. Sit, sit the that. order is sit important. You can double up on the um, nouns. If you're a muffin muffin, we celebrate that. Yeah, We're exactly. There you. are a lot of muffin muffins in the world. I am a bird muffin. And I am a horse muffin. And so together, together you got bird horse. You got a bird horse. <laughs> so the next, the next go around will be the bakery. Where we the next, you know, the we're muffin shop. We're working on a sparkling. Someday it'll be released, and uh, that's going to be our muffin we're one. We're going to call that muffin. <laughs> that's a way better explanation than that's on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's hard to encapsulate when it's not just us telling the story. Yeah, I mean, it's come to mean a lot of things for us in terms of our how we identify the brand and you know, playfulness and kind of the unique varieties we work with and our, our take on this on winemaking, but that's the genesis of the name. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know it's gone on from there. <laughs> should so we, we pour you the we next get wine. Into the red, yeah. Let's get into some rojos. Yeah, I love how this Arnaise is drinking though. Wait, so I want to know about muffin muffins though, because mm. just like inherently, that's what I'm drawn to. <laughs> without, 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 with no further knowledge. <laughs> I Isn't think it just means you're an there absolute delight. <laughs> muffin, gluten-free muffins work. Yeah. As long as you got the muffin top. Nobody wants a muffin stump, man. They all want the top. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it means you're sweet and delicious. All right. So, boom. Um, um, instincts are right. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So Thank this you. Is, uh, this is our Valdegay, which is also one of the, the OGs, the rider dies. We started making it in 2018, and we've made yeah, it ever since. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Love Valdegate. Thank you. Historically in this in California known as Napagame. Um I worked with this vineyard, not this vineyard site, but with this fruit um when I worked at Mahoney Vineyards, also on Eighth Street East. Shout out. Um <laughs> back um years ago and was really taken by Valdegay. We never made it as a single varietal wine, but I just loved the color, fermentation, the smell, the aromatics, the flavor. Um and so when we we're starting Bird Horse, really circled back to that and um, sought out some Valdegay. Yeah. And we're delighted to be able to find it. And then this vineyard is just a really special spot, too, up in Calistoga. It's the Frediani Ranch, which sits on the east side of Napa up in Calistoga, like butts right up against the Vacas Range. Um, so, you know, some of that, like, volcanic influence coming down. And the vines are about 60-plus years old, so, you know, survived the great... Rip, basically ripping out of Napa Gamay that happened in, in Napa in the 70s when people were like, huh, Cabernet does make a lot no of No one money. wants to drink red table wine. No, no. Yeah. Well, and, and that is a, a famous, somewhat famous vineyard for other uh, bottlings, mm-hmm. probably all Cabernet, um, realistically, I guess, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's really something like what you're doing with these varieties. Um, there was a vineyard up on Sonoma Mountain Road um, just by Laurel Glen, that for years the guy used to try to give it away for homemade wine and he called it Napa Gamay, Napa Gamay. And was it Gamay? No, it's Napa Gamay. Ah, that stuff's no good, people used to say. (laughs) Right. And and so the grapes would rot every year, you know, or go to the birds every year. And to think that all those years you could have been making wine out of it that is something like this. Yeah. And now it's, I'm sure, dead or pulled out in just a field. So. <laughs> and I just love the way that Valdegay sort of like interrupts the narrative of, you know, like the tiny, compact, conical cluster with the tiny berries makes the most tiny, delicious wine. Because Valdegay is this like bodacious cluster. It's like the size of your face. The berries are huge. Um, and you look at it and you're like, man, is this going to, like, can this make something serious? And I feel like it does. Mm-hmm. 100%. There's no doubt that this is, I mean, again, it's sort of this juxtaposition of the playfulness of the brand and and the two of you in general uh <laughs> but the wines are you know there's another like serious expression of these varieties and it's pretty cool thank you and this uh this is one of my favorite wines to make because we really get a little more experimental with this so about two-thirds of the grapes we put in one open top fermenter together we'll do between 30 and 50 percent whole cluster depending on the year punch it down a couple times a day but then one third of the grapes we will distem into a giant food-grade plastic bag set into a macro bin, and then we'll bunch that up, roll around on top of it to squeeze all the air out, zip tie it shut, leave it in the sun, and forget about it for three weeks. <laughs> Let's get weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird, right? Sam, don't you roll around well, on your bags? Y- y- I have been taken pride in my ability to get the air out of a Ziploc <laughs> bag, but they're <laughs> usually <laughs> quart-sized <laughs> or gallon-sized, <laughs> to be honest, uh-huh. uh, for whatever that means. Nice buds. Uh, <laughs> nice buds. What the... Yeah. <laughs> I said the same thing when Corinne proposed this idea. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? How? Why? And it, I mean, it's the scariest thing, too, because you're sealing it up. You can't sample the grapes. You can't sample the juice. You don't know what's happening inside the bag. You just have to trust that it's totally anaerobic. There's no potential for weird microbes to get into your grapes to foul them, especially acetic acid bacteria. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the carbonic kind of idea, but it's carbonic in a tank with it being gas. I mean, there's some safety nets there. You you guys, and then throwing it outside in the sun. (laughs) That's just a good thing. In the middle of an asphalt parking lot. Um, 100%. And the bag is too, so it's like the bag is up being out to here. Of course the full moon. Um, And then it eventually deflates, and you're like, where did it all go? Because it didn't pop. And that was going to be my question. I guess there's enough can can release through however you've closed it that it never just pops. It just stretches. So far, knock on wood. So far, two years running. Yeah, I mean it's sealed up pretty good. I and I don't we have, double bag generally yeah. if we have the ability to just as an extra safety net. Yeah, well, so. that way you don't get caught by TSA. Hundred <laughs> percent, exactly. Every time. Take so, it on the airplane, fly to Virginia. <laughs> so, what is the character? that you get out of that compared to the other part of it that you that's made you do this again and i assume and, continue and, to do and it and then also just like where did, where the hell did you get the idea <laughs> like some like kitchen experiment gone right i guess is <laughs> yeah, where did uh, you hear about this first no, so i um my former employer was spotswood wine estate st helena california shout out beth novak mm-hmm, and I love you're those an inspiration guys. i do uh and our winemaker, Aaron Weinkoff, very interesting man that he is, had done a harvest abroad in, I think, the, like Adelaide Hills area, where there are yeah, apparently a lot of, an Australian a lot of hipster winemakers. Uh, and he brought that technique back with him. And so we, you know, the Spotswood uh, Sauvignon Blanc is, uh, you know, for a few thousand case wine so we do a lot of different experimental fermentations in addition to just doing like a lot of stainless and barrel ferments uh, and one of those was we would do a baggie every year we would take half ton of grapes from one of our vineyards maybe the Hyde Vineyard in Carneros or maybe the Marie Vineyard in the baggie. toss it in the bag just send it into the bag and watch we'll it go in a bag. toss it in a bag how, how, how big are these bags like how many gallons is a bag it's a 300 gallon bag I a believe 300 gallon bag yeah. Yeah. something you roll around on <laughs> so big enough yeah. to line the entirety of a half ton macro bin and then hang and way hang over, off the edges. over the edge yeah. so then you can really get a good seal use an industrial size zip tie um and yeah seal it in, all in my mind remember those like infomercials for the like space saving bags that you would oh exactly you'd, like, you'd put you'd, your like, down comforter in and then like pump the air out with the vacuum cleaner or something that's kind of what i have going in my head right oh, now yeah. <laughs> i mean that's reasonable exactly just times that by 10 <laughs> and, and just for reference, how big are most of these lots? How many cases? So anywhere from um, 50 to 120, 130 cases. Yeah. yeah, so all super small lots. Our production total of 2020 was about 400 cases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all still very small. We started at 130 100. cases yeah. in 2018. So we've come 
we've come a ways, but we're still scaling slowly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think just to get back to your question, Bart, about what the character is that we love about the baggie that it brings to the to the or the Valdigay, excuse me, is that it has this like crazy floral lift um, and dense texture that blended then in with the rest of the wine it just brings this complexity and kind of florality instead of the like hyper bubblegummy um tutti frutti carbonic element yeah i just think it's yeah something a little different yeah i, I don't think the bubblegummy super fruity would have been as complimentary to this wine mm-hmm. as, no as not what at this all is. Mm-hmm. um this is very intriguing yeah right on <laughs> Adventure and Whimsy. Giant baggies. Adventure and Whimsy. Wait until my bookkeeper sees that one on there. (laughs) I know. We had our ship to bedrock and our (laughs) solar guy stuff was like, what are these? (laughs) Like, just you wait, Seth. Just you wait. (laughs) You'll get to know them well. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, since we make a bunch of wine at Magnolia, I'm just hoping that you're putting them out on the south side of the building so that I can see them in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. We'll just have you over for a beer afterwards or a wine. Cider. Cider works, a too. A cider. Perfect. There you go. I love a good cider. Awesome. All right. On to the next one. All right. Into the land of Kerrigan. Ooh, good. I like this. Kerrigan is a, is a grape that we've really gone on a journey on gone on a journey with, I should say, because uh, we, and this is the trial and tribulation of every micro producer, we've had to find a new fruit source every year <laughs> for this wine. It's been so challenging. Our first year, we bought from a guy who like switched vineyards on us the morning of the pick, so we were not going to buy from him again, and then in 2019, he, yeah, <laughs> I showed up with bins, and he was like, oh, no, 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 no. You're getting your fruit from like two miles down the road. It's the same. He just kept uh-huh. saying, it's the just same. Just casually been sampling that yeah. vineyard. For you know the last four weeks, been watching it very closely. That's jeez, that's pretty sketchy. That, yeah. I was going to say is that common. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, we do not work with we him do anymore. Not work with that individual anymore. <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is why it's so important knowing your grape grower. Yeah, <laughs> I mean exactly, and, and, and that trust that goes along because you know there are wineries that don't make it out to the vineyard and they just wait for the grapes to arrive at their winery and. You hear stories like that, and it makes you want to make sure you go out to the vineyard all the time. Almost mark your grapes at that point. (laughs) No, honestly. Well, I mean, you know, good growers mark your grapes for you. Right. Right? So that way you know where to be in the vineyard. Um, So um, that's key. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's certainly been a learning lesson for us. I mean, having worked at four other people who are often doing that negotiation and or have those established relationships now, going out on our own and, and realizing that and learning from examples of, of our employers. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So then in, um, in 2019, we found a grower in Mendocino that we really liked, but the vineyard sold the following year. So 2020, which is what you're tasting now, we found vineyard that we would like to continue on with, which is the, the poor ranch, which is up in Mendocino County. It's kind of in the foothills on the Valley floor. Uh, and the poor the family, side. they're just like the, the kindest people that it's like a fourth generation family farm they've been doing it forever johnny uh and his wife susan just know the land so so well and 2021 uh the drought has hit them really hard and our carignan vineyard is not going to produce for us this year so yeah exactly it's super short shoots but also not pushing from the fruitful spurs on the vine 
which is happening to, to so many growers all yeah. over California. So they, yeah, I mean, they were like, maybe we can get you a half ton. We are like, don't worry, we'll get it next year. I won't even fill up our Ziploc bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll have to get a smaller bag. Now, and this, I mean, you know, we've talked about this for a few weeks now on the show. There's a lot of these, you know, the dry farmed old vine vineyards that um, just getting beat up by the drought and you could maybe try and get a crop out of them this year but that'll you know jeopardizes next year and really the vines in general so this this is um you know one of the stories of the 2021 vintage and the drought is is is, you know and it doesn't it's not just old vines and it's not just dry farmed vines but that's you know where it's maybe more sort of more radical but Mm -hmm. um somewhere along the way i heard someone say something about it being the smoke and um, affecting the buds, um, and and that's part of the problem. I, I you know that's just one opinion. You know, I haven't heard that, but we you know things that I saw last September after that like orange apocalypse week, uh, where you know vines all thought it was November and shut down, and then the sun came out and it was you know spring like weather, and we had. We had, yeah, we had, like, you know, pictures, I took these pictures at a vineyard, Zinfandel, you know, 30-year-old vines, where all of a sudden there was, like, six inches of new growth at the top of the shoots, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure, and that vineyard's doing fine this year, but I'm sure that the places that that happened, you know, if they're dry farmed or if, you know, the the ability to sort of, like, build the soil economically isn't there, um, probably those vines had a hard time... If they started in September and then stopped and then tried to start again in February and March, yeah. uh, definitely right. disrupted some cycles, right? Yeah, exactly. Your carbohydrate loading is totally skewed. And yeah, I mean, with the water stress in addition to that, poor relocation of carbohydrates to your vines. I mean, yeah, everyone's dealing with that, like you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. I hadn't heard a, that a, about a, the smoke. I, I mean, I, and, and I, I believe the person that said that to me said that they had heard that coming out of Australia where, hmm. you know, they'd had obviously have had a lot more smoke issues than we have or at least more experience with it um and 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 that was just like one opinion but it's just another one of these challenges that in this ongoing thing we call the wine business <laughs> <laughs> hey 2021 you know can only hope Remain, remaining opti- we gotta remaining do. optimistic you exactly guys. but yeah needless to say yeah yeah, but what a struggling. good story you're going to have this year too. If you get anything at all whatsoever, just I mean, everybody's going to have a great brand story behind it. <laughs> just the fact that we can be here, yep. drinking wine together. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> okay. it's time for the next wine. <laughs> the wines are speaking. It speaks for itself, really. The magic of <laughs> the magic that awesome. of uh, that was well done. How have you coordinated that? Warm, you know, slightly warm day, a little airspace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a first. It's a first for That's me. I've probably, probably seen that happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, you these hear about are, that going, but. Yeah. <laughs> these are microagglomerated corks, so they don't shove in very far to the bottle, mm. pushing out. But what are you going to do? What are you gonna That's do? fun. And, and who are these from? <laughs> um, these are from Cork Supply. These are this Cork Supply. Yeah, the Vink. Shout cork. out Greg Herson. Greg Herson. Love best. him. Such a um, but yeah, it's microagglomerated, kind of not. Exactly the same technology as DM, but the same concept. What is their binding agent? Yeah, exactly. That's the right. question. Right. <laughs> Good answer. The great question. <laughs> and, and how many years have you used these? 
We've used them since, since the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah, we decided we wanted to go with um, this type of cork just for no t TCA risk. Right. Um, and because our wines are kind of a fresher style, we don't um, bottle age them for a super long time. They're meant to be drunk fresh. You can age them. But, yeah, we thought this was the way to go and have really loved using them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, not to, like, contradict you, and that's not really what I'm trying to no, say no. with this, but... Um, Again, you know, with the Carignan uh, uh, sort of like continuing this this trend with this lineup that uh, the market segment that they would sort of seem to be geared towards, they're, you know, more serious versions of those wines and then clearly more labor intensive too, you know, with the, the you know, giant vacuum sealed bags and the whole, the whole deal. <laughs> Maybe not vacuum sealed. That's, <laughs> I'm mixing my metaphors. I haven't quite gotten there yet, yeah. but that's a, that's a great I mean, idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, great idea. I'm, I'm sure that somebody in Mendocino has a big giant vacuum sealer <laughs> that you could borrow. I'll might have talk some... to our old grower, Wendy. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That lady would have one. No, if they really, I mean, you know, again, with the, the, the sort of the brand image and the varietal lineup and the winemaking kind of, you know, in a very 10,000 foot viewpoint, you'd think that these would, you know, you said fresher and lighter and, and they, they are, but there's a level of intensity and seriousness um, that goes beyond any of those sort of expectations. Um, so don't, you know, I, I know you're, if you're, if you're listening and you're buying these wines, don't Drink some now, obviously, and then when you like them, buy more. And, and I think I'd love to see, especially like the Verdello, I'd love to see that in five or six years. Totally. That's the, the one we always say, like, yeah, lay it down. Yeah, buy some, drink it now, lay it down, and see how it evolves. Because it really does evolve beautifully over yeah, time. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and this Carignan definitely has some edges, too. I mean, as Carignan does, it's always screaming acid, a lot of tannin. And from the poor ranch, especially with those dry-farmed um, head-trained vines, you get such intense concentration, super small berries. So um, it's definitely taken a lot of time to evolve in the barrel and now continuing in the bottle. But we're really happy with where it is now. It's like just towing that line of kind of tension. Um, but it's yeah, got such vibrancy. Because it's a 2020 also. Yes, it exactly. Is. The, the aromatics that. on this are beautiful. Thank really, you. really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Any like weird voodoo you're doing with the winemaking <laughs> on this? Or like... <laughs> Giant paper bags, or what's going on here? Gi I know, I feel giant like we've set bags. expectations. <laughs> uh, this one is it's just a little old open top fermenter. <laughs> Do about 30% whole cluster. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was interesting, too, because we really, you know, when we first started making Carignan, I think, it, and this might have been sort of a story of how we've evolved thinking about it, but we were really going for, like, light fresh in, in 2018. Wanted to keep it, like, lean and bright. And then sort of the more we worked with it, the more we realized, like, that, especially once we got to the Poor Ranch and that site, it was like, okay, that is not, that is not what this is going to be. That is not what this, if we try to put it in this box, we're going to get something that's disjointed and that doesn't speak to the site in, in an authentic way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we decided, we picked it a little bit, riper than we have in the past uh and we decided to normally we release this in spring and we decided to hang on to it um this will be part of our fall release in like a month or so what a, what a great plug drop that was <laughs> <laughs> it was just like so she you know you came in you seemed like you were nervous at the beginning but you were just clearly uh, you were hustling us well, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was well well dropped <laughs> so so we'll get back to the new releases here in a second, but I have one question. 
Um, so these wines were made at a custom crush facility. Sure yep. were. That you guys didn't work at, I take it, right? Correct. Not full time, okay. no. So, right. So at custom crush facilities, you know, there's time constraints. You have X amount of days in a tank or, you know, maybe they'll tell you can stay as long as you can until they tell you you can't. Now you're, you know, at University of Bedrock. Um, <laughs> certainly again, we know who the, right, certainly we know who the boss is there. And, um, but you'll probably have less stresses to, you know, move things. Is that going to make you consider your winemaking a little different? Or there's some things that you would have done in 2020 that now that you're, for all intents and purposes, at your own facility, um, that you're looking at doing things differently? I mean, I think press cuts is the biggest thing we're yes. talking about that we'll be able to have oversight on or just like as I'm present boots on the ground. <laughs> just, yeah, a lot of kind of key decision-making points that, you know, are time-sensitive that we haven't been able to be there for physically because we're working our day jobs of harvest, which, as we know, is very intensive. So we go at night. We're, we called someone comically called us night uh, wine vampires wine vampires at the old facility at punchdown where we used to be loved that facility they gave us keys we could go in at night but yeah we couldn't make those moment to moment decisions and, for processing yeah and for you listeners i mean when you're at a custom crush place you'll say i'd like to get my grapes pressed on tuesday and they'll say great we can do it for you at 10 and you go 10 sounds good i can be there at 10 and you get there at 10 and they said oh no we we were ready to go at 6 a.m so you're in tank 128 <laughs> and you're like well but what about my press cut and um oh well that's in the keg over there and you know they did it on a number and you would have done it on taste so sure. you're you're gonna have a lot of more opportunity for that yeah it's it's definitely gonna afford us so much more um control over the process which is just such a dream for us and i think one of the things i'm also really excited about is you know at the custom crush facility when it was time to bottle like you know bottling's expensive and there are certain like setup costs and and so this what i'm trying to say is we'd basically bottle once a year and we would bottle everything all at once uh but at bedrock they sort of have a few different bottlings on their schedule and we you know, are sort of free to jump onto those w within reason and as logistics allow. And so I'm really looking forward to just being a little more precise about some of our elevage as well. I think there are things that if we didn't have to bottle them in March, we would hold them until summertime if we mm -hmm. could. Um, and so I'm really excited to sort of watch that evolution too. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, we're, we were at Punchdown for two, three years. Three years. Um, and it was an incredible custom crush facility sure. to be yeah. at um, and definitely gave us that flexibility to make the wines, um, you know, despite all odds of never being there. But yeah, being at Bedrock is just such an incredible um, honor and delight for Birdwurst to be made there. Well, as we pour the next one, do you want to just um, plug the day jobs a little bit? I know we've kind of alluded lots of um, lots of Bedrock, but that's not all the, the whole story. So you want to just kind of like talk about what a little bit of each of your so the day-to-day -day, uh, for the main employer and what you're looking at right now? Yeah. Um, the House of Scribe. <laughs> the House, House of Scribe. Scribe and Bedrock University. Yeah. Seems like, like those like Quidditch teams or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go first since we're talking about Bedrock U. But, um, yeah, Katie, I'm the assistant winemaker at Bedrock. Started in February this year. Um, so this is our first harvest for Birdors and for my first harvest at Bedrock. And, yeah. Super delighted to be part of the team. And we've got an incredible crew, Seth and Cody in the cellar, Morgan, um, Chris, and all in our entire VIT team. 
And I, uh, I'm the assistant winemaker. I'm going to finish this. Thanks. <laughs> I love I'm the that assistant winemaker at, uh, at Scribe, uh, which is a mere 100 yards from Bedrock Wine Co. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I bet a professional golfer could drive Absolutely. from the parking lot to oh, the front of Tim Barn. How far does a professional golfer's drive go? I have no idea Three, for that. 350 okay. yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if I aimed for the rental center with my slice, I could land in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> about right. yeah. I sort of have this uh, this idea where, like, it's going to be time to miss make a, pre- a press cut, and Katie's going to, like, blow into a conch shell, and I'm going to be able to hear it across the complex <laughs> and, like, book oh. it over. No, we'll do the bird horse call, <laughs> Yeah. which is... Who's to say? We're still deciding. We're still working on it, guys. We're not. Don't debut that. It's here. not it's radio not ready. ready. It's not ready. Yeah, it's yeah, not ready yet. <laughs> we'll use our tin can across the street. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Put the string. Just don't send smoke signals. I think that's we're still mm. sensitive. Yeah. No. Zero percent. Yeah. It is funny though. Bedrock and Scribe, in a lot of ways, have. I mean, it's like interesting. We ended up at these places for a number of reasons, but they have such parallel journeys. They were started in the same year, so they've been around. What? Yeah. yeah, true story. 2007. 2007. Same, same year founding have really grown up together and literally across the street from each other. That makes me feel like such a slacker because that was the first <laughs> legal. Vi- that's the first year of 16600 too. It was the first year that of Dane. It was the first year of Dane Sellers <laughs> hey, also. There we go. All right. Congrats. Did you guys to just all go to a meeting together or something? Yeah, it was like this Sonoma bringing yeah. together of the minds. It was like, hey, there's going to be a giant recession next year. Why don't everybody start a winery real quick? <laughs> Perfect idea. You got cash? Get rid of it. And all I knew is that this guy, Morgan, was making wine down the street at this little winery that I always wanted to buy to make my own wine at. Are you talking about Wait, the, 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 at, at, at Orange at, Avenue? At, at Orange Avenue. The like chicken I, coop? At the chicken coop. I always knew there was a winery there, and I thought, you know, he didn't seem to be making wine there anymore, and I thought, oh, maybe I should go knock on his door, and then all of a sudden there's this... It takes a village, and I'm like, ah, Morgan. Who's this Morgan guy? <laughs> I wore a suit and tie to work in 2007. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, wow, 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 wow. I'm not even going to say any more about that. That's all I got. Hey, <laughs> we've come a long tie? way. No, I, in fact, at that time, knew more than one way to tie my tie. Ooh, and what was I, the preferred way? Double Windsor. Uh, it, it, <laughs> no, I, I couldn't do a double Windsor, mostly because a um, uh, leg torso issue. I needed more tie <laughs> than the double Windsor <laughs> gave me. Uh, I, I liked the I liked the half Windsor. Yeah. It was just it was just like a sign that you were like a little more a little more into it, but not the like not the full Windsor, not the double, just the like you know. Not the four in a hand, which is you could only do that like while driving, hungover on your way to work. Wow. Is when you do the four That's where it was invented. Wow, 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 wow. It was a yeah, long, I mean, was I, long I, drive. I, I, I was, and great, it was Nevada, yeah. so there wasn't a lot of like <laughs> traffic in my way. I did gray three piece suits for decades. You know, I mean, I mean, this is all like this could be in another language for me. I don't even I have no <laughs> idea. You ever had a suit? A suit? Never have you ever. I saw. I saw you in your wedding photo. You looked really damn good. Seriously. I, I, I never owned a suit. Um, I have never owned a suit. I do have a few ties. Um, they're all in the bottom of my sock drawer. Sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the hell do you need a suit in Sonoma for? Exactly Honest like to God. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a suit on here a couple of times, like for a Christmas party or something like that. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. I mean, I now just wear tie dye t shirts under sport coats. Yeah. And that's perfect because that <laughs> is, is your brand image. Seriously, on, on man. Uh, why aren't you in one today? 
This is um, weird. I'm sh- repping. <laughs> I'm repping uh, my brother-in-law's company, White Bark Workwear. They do uh-huh. hemp, uh, or, uh, organic cotton, uh, mostly aprons. They did a bunch of masks, oh, yeah. uh, but he's forever wanted to like make the the Carhartt killer. So that's what this is. Is a or it's like Jersey hemp Ooh. cotton blend pocket tees um, that he's making and made in L.A. So shout out White Bark. I've only seen you in a suit one time, and you were a ring bearer, right? Jerry Garcia's wedding? Yeah, I I was three. Okay. (laughs) You look damn good in that suit. Wait, hold on. What an anecdote. uh, Well, it wasn't Jerry Garcia's. He was the the stand-in for the father of the bride. Ah, there you uh, go. And did not wear a tie to that wedding. And I didn't want to wear a tie either. um, But, you know, our family... I was three and was told, no, my parents pointed out that Billy Kreitzman was wearing a tie, and that's how they convinced Talked me to you put, into the, it? put the tie on. I got him. No fault with the, with the logic. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> you know. You, um, you believed him, didn't you? <laughs> convinced one way or another. It's a great yeah. photo. You've got to see it. It's it's my, I peaked at three. That's what I always tell people. <laughs> right. Wedding photos with the Grateful Dead. It's been all downhill since yeah, then. Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? I go for the bolo tie these days, though. That's a good look. It's a strong Luke. It is. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, have we talked about the last no. wine that we poured? Okay. We're moving out into the hills Hills now. This is very special. Out in gold country. This is the first wine we've ever done uh, any significant amount of elevage on. Um, you guys are some of the first people to try this. Uh, this is our 2019 Barbera that comes from Shaker All right, Trinch. then i got to try it. <laughs> so, in very, very good company. Very, very good. Yeah. Uh, Ann Kramer, I mean, I'm sure you've had plenty Thank of people talk much. about her on the show before. Oh, I'll just talk about her again. Please she is yeah, yeah. one of the most generous uh, people I think we have met in the industry. She is generous with her time. She is generous with her knowledge. She is generous with her breakfast burritos when you show up to help pick <laughs> at 5 o'clock in the morning. Just like a really incredible person and very, very talented grower. Working with her fruit is a dream. Who did your Perfect. logo? Um, I did. Okay, Excellent. It's yeah. really, really <laughs> nicely done. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, meant to evoke um, the sense of a bird and a horse, but not be exactly direct with it. A little simple line drawing. It's really nicely done. Thank I mean, I, I would say that Ann Kramer's name has been, as far as grape growers, has been spoken here more than the, anyone else other than Phil Katuri. Um without a doubt and we've never had her on the show we keep threatening or saying that we're going to get her we certainly have had enough people that have offered to hook us up with her um we're going to have to i was going to say you might have to travel too you might have to yeah Yeah. go out to shake ridge (laughs) i I mean that would be the point is to go there and to record it there because to capture uh the whole experience but you know her background and her family's background is a whole show itself in you know agriculture absolutely yeah is this about the lowest alcohol i've seen 12 9 percent really yeah you know of 2020 it was a hot year um this That's a 2019 though oh excuse me yes 2019 also also a hot year though there we go yeah also a hot year it's fucking global warming they're all hot years <laughs> they're all hot years yeah and especially for i mean barbera which has such ripping acid we talked about that with carignan but barbera even more so um it hangs hangs onto its acid even when it's dimpled and shriveled on the vine um so we really towed the line with that with calling this pick a little earlier um but tempering the acid with adding a bunch of stems in the fermentation to buffer the ph push it up a little bit 
and bring down some of that acidity and that perceived acidity that was something that we really talked about when we committed to doing barbera was like all right we're not going to fight the acidity of this there's no point because we saw all of this historical data that Anne had from people who had you know you could kind of tell people who were like waiting and waiting and waiting to pick because they wanted that ph to go up and then it may went up you know maybe a tenth of a unit half of a tenth of a unit and they ended up picking at like 27 bricks which maybe that was the intention but that's not necessarily what we're trying to do and so we thought all right it's going to come in it's going to have ripping acid ready set go like what do we do right <laughs> how do exactly. we make this balance how do we, how do we make that? this interesting mm -hmm. and so what percentage of stems went in so this was a little under um 50 percent uh, whole cluster dumped into the fermenter, which was then foot tread. So not really quite carbonic, but a little bit of that carbonic lift. Um, that was dumped in first um, to prevent any spoilage and then destemmed on top for the rest. Yeah. And so I think those stems really helped kind of mellow the pH a little bit because this is bright, but it's not ripping. And then I think the elevage and keeping it, you know, hanging onto it in a punch in for almost 18 months sort of then takes the stemminess that you would get from the stems and just really helps smooth that out. And so I feel like we we ended up achieving a balance of, uh, with this wine that I know I'm really proud of. Yeah, it's got, yeah, lovely rusticity and just like, yeah, so bright and still very live. Yeah, definitely on the lighter side of a Barbera, but yeah, I love where it's at. But it's it's very harmonious. It's it's It, it, it melds together very nicely. You know, there's no sharp edges. It's it has its acid, which is pronounced, but it's round and, and opulent also. Well, the only other Barbera I know of is from Imagery. And it's a Joey Benziger thing. Oh, nicely done. Where I ins insert my... Insert. <laughs> insert away, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. This is, this is where I give dun, away dun, jo dun. all Joey's winemaking secrets. Um, no, I mean, John, there's a lot of people that, that... Not a lot of people that make Barbera, but there's certainly other people that make Barbera and stuff, but... Um, but Turley does a Barbera, and um, there, there's a number of people that do it. But, yeah, I mean, Bedrock. probably the best known Bedrock. Have you heard of them? Bedrock? Um, bedrock Wine Co.? Uh, who's, yeah. Who's it's Bedrock? not something I'm it's familiar with. Bedrock. 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 I, mean, I, just, I, think, I just don't know that. Yeah, I mean, Amador Earth. County, I think it specifically, is just like an incredible place for Barbera to be grown. Dick Cooper passed away um, this past year. It was like an incredible um, spokesperson for the grape in that county specifically. And well, it's I a think, cool place. Yeah, it, really it just does really well. I mean, it can handle the heat again, um, and it can hang on when it's super ripe, but again, it keeps its freshness and acidity. And Isn't that the, like the oldest gold rush county? That's where that's the whole one thing of the started. first places, like Sutter's yeah. Mills, one of the first places, which is just basically down the road from Shake Ridge. Exactly. Uh, yeah. where, yep. where gold was discovered. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but um, more antique shops per capita, I would imagine, <laughs> than anywhere else in the United States. Because the population is pretty low now. <laughs> <laughs> also that, also that. So, yeah, you know, my mom was uh, an antiquer when I was a kid, and I can remember going up there and being drugged through antique stores mm -hmm. and more and more and more. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll validate that. You go to Amador County and you buy the antiques for cheap and then you take them to all the antique stores of Petaluma and mark them up? Is that what the plan was? <laughs> no, it was to go to Amador and buy them and then fill our house full of them. Ah, but of course. <laughs> yes, I lived in a um, an antique um, home without a doubt. Yes. Well, we didn't go antiquing out there, but we, um, pre-Bertors, when we were still in graduate school, we saw an ad on Craigslist for a wine fridge and we went out there. It was only like 150 bucks and it is wood paneled. <laughs> 
<laughs> and was built in the 90s uh, and is a treasure of an antique in our household. <laughs> yeah, if you call it an antique. I mean, it works well. It's like 300-bottle wine fridge. Yeah. Heavy as all get out, but... So 1990s heavy. or 1890s? Uh, <laughs> hard yeah, to tell. <laughs> we don't have to fill it with giant ice cubes that we grab with like a hook, so I don't think it's 1890s. <laughs> There's a plug. Yeah, there is, there is electricity, so... <laughs> Oh man! Uh, again, this uh, yeah. Again, this is just another like on this lineup of wines that sort of uh, you know breaks the mold as far as what you're expecting for the variety and and the winemaking styles um, to be way way more serious than if you read this like on a spec sheet, you know, and like how the where what the wine is, what the you know what the alcohol is, what the pH is. Um, you, you, go one way in your head and then mm-hmm. these wines go um way beyond that so it's pretty cool I, i'm <laughs> that's awesome know, I, I think i'd had i tried the wines a few times before but seeing them all together in a lineup like this is, is impressive you guys thank, thank you thank you very right much on. well it's exciting to share them yeah. so talk a little bit about how they get these wines how people get these wines what your what's available currently what you're going to tempt them with in the future um yeah yeah. Um, so we're just about to release the Carignan and the Barbera, 2020 Carignan, 2019 Barbera. Um, those will be coming out this fall. Um, so those are available on our website. Um, all the wines are generally available on our website. Um, and then at select shops around California, we self-distribute. So there's a lot of uh, after-hours deliveries to wine shops. But, but again, like this, these are the relationships that are so important is finding these shops that are going to celebrate us and support us. And yeah, as just as much as we love our growers, we love our uh, vendors in any capacity. So real retail shops. Yeah. There's, it's a, it's, it's a nice list of, um, of wine shops. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very well-respected shops that you guys are in already. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank Thank you. I think that's been one of the most like interesting learning curves for us too, is like, you know, coming into this, we both had an idea of, how to make wine, but how to sell wine oh. and self <laughs> and self promote. Big Turns difference. Out, uh, that is a Big, whole new university and, and, to attend. And it's a talent. You really need something like that. It goes back to that patience thing. That's what where <laughs> Professor mean, right. Cottrell comes in at Bedrock. <laughs> oh my God! Exactly. Chris oh teaches God. your ways. He does everything you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely a journey. I mean, that's. So, I mean, Corinne and I are great in the backside of things, but yeah, learning how to be spokespeople for the wines that we're making has definitely been a journey. Um, that we're getting better at. Yeah. Well, the nice I mean, thing is you didn't have to make up a brand story. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got it. It's like 16600 a day. I mean, yeah. you don't have to put it before a whole bunch of focus groups and ask them which idea they like best. You know? Well, I mean, think about it. You, What you've shared with us today, a sales rep that um, is introduced to you that works for a broker, he could never tell that story as well as you guys can. So you have to be go out and be your own advocate first, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. But as Katie said, most of the wines are available on our website, birdhorsewines.com. Uh, <laughs> and you can get on our mailing list on the website, too. And we're hoping to release uh, the new wines in early September. And we'll 
re reintroduce uh, a couple of the spring wines too, so the, the whites and the Val de Gay as well. So there'll be a little bit of everything available for folks. You won't have anything else going on in early September, right? No, plenty of, not. Plenty of time to run. Time. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> plenty of time like to run your wine club. Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. Super good idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's going to yeah. be great, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, we have a mailing list, so we'll let people know um, when those wines are coming out. We don't send very many emails because we're busy folks, but <laughs> they're important when they do come out. Yeah. As everyone knows. <laughs> Shout outs? Shout outs. Uh, episode two hundred two, yeah, in the can. There you go. Now that now that we like hit those round numbers, I can count. I can I can keep count. For, I can keep count for a couple episodes. Knocking them up by the dozen, baby. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I can't count that high. Um, <laughs> it'll be a year from now until we hit the next significant one. So you have some time to get you know 250? to two fifty. Right. We'll have a, we'll have a proper party, and no, we'll know after before we release the episode that it, it was a significant episode. Podcast of Palooza will be over by then. <laughs> Never over. Never over. <laughs> it's a weekly thing. You just keep doing it. Exactly. You, you turn on the microphones. We talk. We drink. That's we have a good time. So. Yeah, man. Well, it's certainly a good time to be here. Thank you guys so yeah, much for having been, us. It's been the best, you guys. Glad we finally got it together. <laughs> and that's on this side of the table, not your side. No, of the table, I mean so. it goes both ways. <laughs> much pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And the, and the wines are awesome. Definitely, if you're out there listening, find them. Oh yeah. Seek them out. These are these are ones uh, pay attention Roger Randall wants to uh, score, right. especially this Barbera and yeah. Yeah. three vintages yeah. in. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Thank you. So, we're excited to see the uh, the next decade, the next twenty years of combined Heck winemaking yeah. uh, experience. Yeah. As are we. As are we. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers. Enjoy. <laughs>